galaxy far, far away. And a bookshelf straight out of the 90s. From Theron to Dantooine, and everything in between. This is Legends Look Back. Hello everybody and welcome to Legends Look Back, a show brought to you by Utini.com, a show that's been described as the favorite Star Wars podcast of the Squirtle Squad, where we talk about all things Star Wars Legends, celebrating our rich EU history as well as diving into lesser known Star Wars classics, except for not this week, so we're talking about like the most notorious Legends book there ever was in the history of all Legends, not just Star Wars Legends, but just like Legends in general. All right, I'm your host Jared Mays, today I'm joined once again from uh, the Mustafar that is Southern California, 95 degrees, everybody, in his yeah. podcasting studio tonight. Freddie C., other than the heat, how's it going, Freddie? Uh, not too bad. I'm so glad we're here to talk about Ruins of Dantooine. I'm pretty excited that Wait, what? Uh, we're finally... Did I get the wrong what? book off the shelf? <laughs> All right, episode's over. See you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's really hot here. Uh, I'm losing it, as you can tell. Uh, heat wave in California, and of course, you know, we uh, are lucky to not have ac here most of the year except for today so that's where i'm at well at least when you're recording a podcast you don't have to worry about like the air conditioner being too noisy but no. uh we would take the noise tonight <laughs> yeah. we would gladly yeah. take it i told freddie before the show he was like i might have to duck out for a minute because of the heat if i get overheated i was like freddie grab an ice pack and let's do the let's do the show all right let's just <laughs> do the show <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as usual, you got me and Freddie, and once again, two weeks in a row with our new model where we're doing the, these two-part roundtables. Glad to have him back in the studio with us, and what a beautiful studio it is. We've got the Grand Admiral of Star Wars YouTube himself, Jake Ruddle. How's that one? Last <laughs> week, it was guys. Mr. YouTube. You've been promoted. Two ranks, all the way up Professor to Grand YouTube. I know, moving up. I know. I haven't even put a YouTube video out since the last one yet, so I like this. Promotions and... Uh, it's not even, um, not even having to do very much. So it's a, we got some things coming though. It's, uh, we've, uh, Emma's been uh, releasing some videos and Nathan's been releasing some videos and, uh, we got some timeline videos that are going to be coming up here soon, um, that we've kind of got in the docket that I've been recording with and editing. All right. All right. So hopefully you'll see my face back on the, uh, on the, on the tubes, not the big screen, on the the tubes, man, on the tubes. Yeah, on the that's team. right. You know, I'm, I gotta say, I'm a I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing. I, I've been watching, keeping up with it recently, and and I, I like what you guys are doing, and I I commend you guys for yeah. doing it. So yeah, yeah it's, it's I mean, it's been fun, and that's what I mean. I think when we first started doing it and talking about it all back in May, I think was whenever I stepped in. Um, you know, we spent so much time like the hosts together. Um, you know, Nathan and Emma. Um, I was doing some videos. Now Matt's jumping in with things. I mean, we our whole group um, spent a lot of time, like, kind of building it with each other and kind of just playing around with each other before we actually put anything on YouTube. So I think that's kind of what makes yeah. it nice now is because you know we you know there are we're all partners in on it. You know the way that you guys have your partner stuff and uh, you know it's we've learned that you know it's a full time job <laughs> to be a YouTube star. <laughs> Even while we also have full-time jobs outside of that. Can somebody please make a quote of that where Jake like uh, put his picture l- looking really stupid whenever he's making like a really bad point and has like a really weird face going on? Because you just, just freeze frame it on the worst <laughs> possible Jake moment. 
And then just like, uh, maybe we can get uh, one I.O. in the chat who does calligraphy, amazing calligraphy on Instagram. Can you just like letter for us, you know, in, in your beautiful handwriting, that amazing quote by Jake. If you want to be a YouTube star, what was it? I missed, I've already forgotten the rest of the quote. I've already forgotten it too. If you want to be a YouTube um, star, just be fine. like Jake Runnell. There we go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what I'm trying, what I'm getting at there though, is that we've got, it's nice because I, you know, I don't, it's a team effort and, you know, I, I've been able to do some videos, but you know, I'm glad that Emma's there. I'm glad Nathan's there. I'm glad Matt's doing his stuff because it takes a little bit of the pressure off. Um, you know, I, it's, it's been a blast and everything and I wish I could just do it all day long, but you know, the real world jumps yeah, in. You got to teach. I'd much rather spend my time in a galaxy. You got to teach America's future. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, all the good that's going to do. trying to teach the teach the future we had to have a lesson on civil discourse Uh-oh. after the yeah. debate the we got to make it out of 2020 uh, if the if teaching the future even <laughs> yeah. matters we'll say that much but for tonight yeah. we're going to put all those so. cares away we are going to dive deep into this these that amazing legends book heir to the empire straight out of 1991 now we'll say that this is a huge day for us as star wars fans huge day for utini because right after this i mean who knows maybe we can just keep this podcast going we can roll roll the tape right up until midnight Midnight Eastern, that is. Not for you, Freddy. Uh, when we've got our stream happening right here on this channel, this is like, it's like we're the opening, the, the opener, right? We're, we're, we're opening for Squadrons gameplay that's going to be oh, happening man. right here on Utini dot, or Twitch.com slash Utini underscore US. <laughs> uh, this has got to go in the game yeah. where, you know, ring a bell every time Jared botches the Twitch description. Uh, but for tonight, with this show, you can catch us every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, because we represent both coasts like that. You can, of course, subscribe to the channel, show your support of the show with Twitch Prime, grab those credits from Amazon, and help us conquer the galaxy. Uh, of course, now we're doing this new format with two-part roundtables, because uh, one part just isn't going to cut it with books like Heir to the Empire, of course. We'll continue to post the audio each and every week in your podcast feeds, we've got our all-new podcast feed that you can like, subscribe, share, leave us a nice review, all that good stuff. And, of course, thank you to our patrons who have helped get us here. Uh, incredibly excited to be doing this live on Twitch, even with all of its technical difficulties that we've had. Uh, we're so pumped to be doing it this way. So much more fun to have you folks with us in the chat. I will say last week we did our introduction to Heir to the Empire. We talked about all that fun behind the scenes stuff. We talked about the Brazilian covers, the, the original covers, the alternate arts. Uh, this week we're going to be diving into the overarching questions that we have. Last week we talked about the, the characters. Uh, we talked about uh, Thrawn. We talked about Mara Jade. We talked about Captain Pelion. Uh, this week, Jake, is what are you worshipping your uh, your... Epic? You're, what are you like, well, bowing down to? to it over I there? keep <laughs> <laughs> lying prostrate on the ground. <laughs> now I was trying to like show the picture of like Thrawn there, but then I the camera's I, so the far away. Yeah, setup of everything. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it just didn't. I had an idea in my this mind. This is what we call Legends out, Calisthenics so. with Jake Riddle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Little did you know that uh, you were actually the gym the gym Hold teacher. The book. Uh, uh, not just the English teacher. The there book. you go. Move it over. Now, of yeah. course, we're talking about the... <laughs> now take two books. <laughs> yeah, Joxy's going to make a gif of that one for sure. For sure you've just been gift, Jake. <laughs> it's my goal this evening. Is to or if you, were, if you sorry, were in the sorry. Zon book, it would be G apostrophe I-F. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like... 
<laughs> that's his chist name. Yeah. We'll say this much. This book came straight out of 1991. Yeah. It was the first major uh, Star Wars book to reignite the franchise. And something we omitted from last week's show that absolutely needs to go down on record is the fact that this book... I'm going to actually let you guys guess about this. Uh, Freddie, I'm put you on the spot here. All right, we like to do some fun games at the start of Legends Look Back. What place in the New York Times bestsellers list do you think Heir to the Empire uh, peaked at? How high do you think it got on the list? In recent Star oh. Wars memory, the newest um, the newest uh, Zahn book, the newest Thrawn book, uh, Chaos Rising hit number nine, I believe, which was pretty good. We were happy with that. There was some, there was some hullabaloo on the internet, on the, on the tubes. How about you, Freddie? What do you think? Um, how high did le- did um, Heir to the Empire get? Everybody, put your guesses in the chat. Put a number. This is a good one because I, I I don't really read uh, <laughs> like the the New York Times bestsellers and stuff like that, and I don't really pay attention. I would call this like my number one interest in all of Star Wars is how high the books have ranked histi- um, historically. I almost said hysterically. Historically, <laughs> how high they've ranked on the New York Times bestsellers list. So the opposite of That's me cool. is Freddie. He doesn't care. Yeah, but he's going to no, guess I anyway. Like I just like reading the books, man. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I, I'm going to say, I don't know why it speaks to me, but number five. Number five. Okay, you got to guess. Jake, higher, lower. Price is right him. Go with, go with four well, and just was... beat him out. <laughs> Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say two. I feel like if it was one, it would have plat. Oh wait, <laughs> it says, it says on the top of number one New York Times bestseller. So, oh my gosh! Actually, I guess they all three of them were. New, oh, New York it says Times. it right here on the cover. <laughs> yeah, so I was, I kind of cheated, but I was gonna be like, oh, number two, because it doesn't say that on the cover, and then I look at the cover, and it literally says the number one New York. So it was, is that yeah? The it's answer, number one. It was number one. The number one See, book in the world. That was Isn't a that great amazing? example of setting your expectations a little low, and you're just like, oh man, number one. That's manage really good. expectations. <laughs> oh my gosh, manage those expectations. Oh. What a great moment! All right, you want to guess uh, how many Star Wars books have? ever debuted at number one on the New York Times bestsellers list. So we're sticking to debuts, not... Oh, come on. I don't know, Jake. I just chose the word. I mean, just say, just say, like, (laughs) ever reached number one. I'm never going to be asked to do this again. How many do you think? Or at least, like, try to guess what one other might be. Uh, Wes says... Wes Wes guesses six. You're going to say five? Five ever? Well, that was speaking to Freddie, and Freddie, Freddie, <laughs> Freddie is speaking to me, so uh, I'll say five. Freddie's Freddie, and there that's go. not going to be his new nickname Freddy. at all. Make make that a shirt, guys. <laughs> oh, please don't. No, Joxie. Get out of here, Joxie. No, don't do it. Spread, spready some Freddie on, on your spaghetti. Thursday nights. All right, this is getting out of hand. Now this is getting out of hand. Okay, yeah, it is. It is. It is. Woo! I mean, I'm, I'm getting cool. sweaty. I don't know about y'all. How about you, Freddie? Uh, been there. Sweaty, Freddie. <laughs> I'm still All right. sweating. All right, sweaty, there are officially sweaty, sweaty, sweaty. out of. And thank you, Andrew, for that bit to uh, celebrate Freddie's spaghetti. We're not gonna say that other one ever again. Ever. <laughs> not gonna happen. Um, Freddie, did you take your guess? Jake's guess is five. Um, I mean, I was gonna go with five as well, but uh, let's go with <laughs> let's go with uh, ten. All right, splitting the difference, the correct answer is seven slash kind of eight because there was one Legacy of the Force book that in its paperback release reached number one on the paperbacks bestsellers list. But I'm counting it. So the correct answer 
uh, in all of its entirety is eight. The books are this. Heir to the Empire, The Force Unleashed, The Force Awakens, Thrawn Alliances, Legacy of the Force something. I never did write it down, so uh, apparently my number's wrong. We're going to have to do a little bit more Googling. Anyway, the answer is either seven or eight. I think it's Legacy of the Force Revelation, and uh, I just got off on a line here and miscounted. Anyway, um, and then also most recently Ahsoka uh, as uh, the YA book. It was number one, ah, the number one YA book. Okay. Hmm. And uh, so there we go. There's some Legends trivia for you as we get started. Last week, we, of course, did the summary of the book. We're not going to be uh, recapping the entire thing all over again. You're more than welcome to uh, access the, the Twitch stream, the YouTube video, or in your podcast player. You can go in and listen to that if you would like. But we will warn you, if you have not read Heir to the Empire, the Legends classic, please go do so. It's excellent. Send me a message in Discord, and I'll just I'll send you the audiobook one way or another. I'll drive it to your house if I have to. You're going to love this book, except for those of you who are overseas, not driving overseas, until uh, <laughs> we get our X-Wings. Yeah, we'll get there one day. Uh, but I will say, as we get started with talking about the overarching questions, there's one thing we've got to talk about first, and that is today is the last day that you can use our discount code on Teespring to get your very own Thrawn-inspired Disney, if you're listening, Thrawn inspired, but in no way exactly a Thrawn shirt. It's just like inspired us in some way. That shirt made by our incredible creator, Joxy. I'm going to pull it up any minute here. As soon as I find it, it's amazing. Guys, have you ordered your... Uh, have so you... cool, man. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible, isn't it? This is um, our, what are we calling it? Uh, red Eye in the Blue void of space it's got a name that's really something cool like that i gotta say i just got paid a couple days ago this is probably gonna have to happen so you can go to utini.com uh, click on yeah. community click on merch and you can get your own uh, in men's or women's versions whatever that means you can get your own no matter your size and rep or your style. support of or, or style um, and of course we've got our own legends look back shirts we'll talk about that in a little while but first guys let's get into the meat of it Last week, we talked about the characters. We talked about Mara Jade and um, whether or not uh, she, uh, Luke really did ruin her life. We talked about um, how she has cast an incredible legacy within EU characters. Uh, we talked about um, you know, her first impression on the EU. We talked about the great smuggler himself, Talon Card. We talked about our original trilogy characters, Luke, Leia, and then the original characters that Thrawn creates. And boy, does he do a great job. We talked about Captain Pelly and Jeruus Sabayah. Which I never get tired of saying. I just, I, I just want a ringtone of myself saying Jeruus Sabayoth. Is that conceited? Is that narcissistic? <laughs> Let's put it this way: I would like to have a ringtone of of Mark Thompson saying Jeruus Sabayoth because it's just music that to works. my ears. Captain Pelion. That was that's not bad, Jay. All right, I'm gonna close my eyes. Say it again. <laughs> Captain Pelion. No, not as good. It was better with the eyes open. All right, <laughs> I'll say this. You put me on the Wait, spot. Wait, what was that, Freddie? What was that? that? I loved it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you guys weren't here last week, we ended out the episode with um, <laughs> what was the greatest clip in the history of Star Wars audiobooks. And I should know, I'm writing the Utini Guide to Star Wars audiobooks, and it's going in there for sure. Do you hear that, Meg? It's going <laughs> in the guide. All right. It should be in there. It's got to go in. It was amazing. But you know what else is amazing? Everything else we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking about the overarching questions. That is issues relating to plot, issues relating to this book's impact on the larger um, expanded universe as a whole, and all of that good stuff. Uh, we're going to start off, of course, with something that happens very early in the book, and that's a really sweet, perfect 
heartwarming. Con- I mean, I'm about to shed a tear just thinking about it. This heartwarming conversation that happens between Luke and the ghost of old Ben Kenobi. You guys remember this scene? It's early on in the book. Um, old Ben is trying to peace out, and um, you know, Zahn gives his own, um, you know, his own explanation of why that had to happen. We'll talk about that in a minute. Why? It doesn't really work for the story to have old Ben popping up, solving Luke's problems all the time. Luke's got to take, you know, his step into um, Jedi masterhood without his teacher ghost looking over his shoulder all the time, which really has creepy implications if you think about it. But please don't. And so um, early in the book, he's having this conversation with old Ben. Luke, like a wise guy who knew the title to episode seven. Ah, botched it. Luke, like a wise guy. (laughs) Who knew the title to episode eight, you know, way back in 91, he whinily says to Ben, or at least Mark Thompson says it whinily, but I liked it. He says that he's lonely and he's the last Jedi. It's almost like he looks into the camera when he says it. I'm the last Jedi. Wink, wink, nod, nod. And I'm going to hate it. Anyway, uh, Ben says, however, you're not the last of the old Jedi, Luke. All right. Can you do this in your best Mark Thompson, Ben Kenobi impression, Jake? You, you got a Ben Kenobi? Not the last um, of the old Jedi Luke. I mean, I think this is my favorite Legends quote ever, or at least at least one of them. Not the last of the Jedi Luke. The last of the old Jedi. Not the... Uh, I don't know. I yeah, can't. You're doing, it's hard. You're doing, you, you, you're doing horribly. <laughs> the first of the new. Yeah, not I the last of the... I just imagine, like, Ewan McGregor. Not the Hello last, there. I don't know. I just... <laughs> Hello there. I, I just like doing Captain Pellion with the... Grand Admiral Thrawn, he's being mean to me. <laughs> yeah, the rest of this episode is just going to be us saying hello there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, not the last. Yeah, of the, I'm not. And here's the quote: "Not the last of the old Jedi, Luke, but the first of the new." What an incredible Legends quote! If ever I needed to have a Legends poster with a quote on it, I do also like the quote from Rogue Squadron that begins the very first line of the book that says, um, "You're good, kid. You're you're good, Corin." but you're no Luke Skywalker. So I like that quote yeah, too, because Corrin, Corrin, it's like the book starts off by acknowledging that Corrin is terrible. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. Yeah. But, um, you know, with this quote, it really does have a lot of significance, doesn't it? How does this help Luke reframe and to get him set on the path that's eventually going to lead him into what becomes the entirety of the post-Return of the Jedi Legends timeline, Freddie? Uh, how does this set Luke off on this this course that's basically defined star wars for you know 20 30 years yeah you know i was i was wondering when i was a kid why did he have to go because i feel he almost it almost like ben abandoned him right but this this pushed luke to realize that he had to do his thing right there was no one else he was the he was the alpha of of the jedi not as in he was the most powerful but he was the beginning right he's he's the start again because there was a purge. It didn't exist. It didn't exist anymore. And only a couple existed to kind of push the the Jedi philosophy along, right? Only only a few were around. And and you know, of course, there it, that changes depending on legends and and uh, canon, right? But uh, it essentially just got Luke to realize that he had to he had to move forward. He had to move forward, and he had to look after the Jedi philosophy. He had to foster it into new people. Yeah, that's good. You know, uh, and he really doesn't do a lot in this particular book, Zahn doesn't, in terms of establishing new Jedi. 
you know, there's a character introduced who eventually does become a Jedi. Uh, we won't spoil too much about that. Most people will probably already know, but just in case you haven't, we'll try to keep it contained to this book. Um, you know, it's obviously KJA and all his and all of his legends infamy who introduces a, a whole new swath of Jedi in the Jedi Academy trilogy. Can't wait for us to talk about that. Nathan's going to join us for that uh, before too long, before the year is over, before 2020 comes to its its apocalyptic end. Uh, we're going to talk about the Jedi Academy trilogy, which can be a lot of fun. But uh, this does really define Legends. And I've always said this is the biggest difference between post-Return of the Jedi canon and Legends, and that's Luke is successful with his Jedi Academy. That's not to say he's perfect. He makes a lot of mistakes along the way. You've got lots of galactic conflicts that happen. You've got the, you've got the center point station, Thrakken Sal Solo. You've got uh, the Black Fleet Crisis. You've got the, uh, the Shadow Academy, the Yuzhan Vong, the Darth Kytus. <laughs> you've you got Abeloth. There's a lot of problems that happen, okay? But uh, didn't even talk about the Kaliks, the bug people. I mean, that that's crazy. Um, so there's there's a lot of problems, but... Luke is successful. He's got a happy family of over a hundred Jedi Knights who call him um, Crazy Uncle Luke. I mean, Grandmaster Luke. Um, <laughs> what's, what's your opinion on this, Jake? Um, how well do you think this quote and this conversation establishes the book as well as you know, all of all of Legends into the future? Yeah. Well, I think you know what a lot of people. I think for so much this was the the last Jedi like Johnson's last Jedi, let the past die, kill it. If you have to moment. Um, and you know, and I, and I think a lot of people, yeah, the, yeah, that last Jedi. Um, but you know, I think a lot of people were kind of upset with that idea, but it wasn't really the first time that that had been done. And I, I think kind of to, to build off what Freddie said, it was really kind of necessary to do that because for Luke to take the step, forward and to be his own person he had to yeah let the past die i mean he you know to kill it if you have to that's a little aggressive but i think that that was part of that was a kylo ren characterization yeah. thing but to let the past die uh, you know for to set up you weren't ever going to be able to set up something new this new world these new characters this new jedi academy this new leia these i mean you weren't ever going to be able to do that if you always constantly had the shadow of ben kenobi and yoda and darth vader you had to step out of that and there had to be a moment so i think it was really kind of you know brave may not be or courageous may not be the right word for it but for zon to say okay i'm just gonna do this and do it in the second chapter yeah i mean it it, it is it is bold at the very least, to yeah. say something that was a staple. And it, the ghost of Ben Kenobi is in all three original trilogy films. Obviously, you don't see the blue yeah. glowy, I don't think, in A New Hope. But you certainly hear him in the cockpit, which is an iconic moment. As yeah. Freddy gets his um, his Boba Fett Halloween bucket out. <laughs> We've got to talk about that before the show's over. What an amazing <laughs> prop you got, Freddy. <laughs> um, the candy. What was it you said before but- the show? The candy's no good to me dead? <laughs> that was yeah that was yeah. Jake. that was good <laughs> oh that candy's no good to me yeah dead. and i was saying like it's no good to me if we're all dead because you know 2020 <laughs> and all that um the empire will compensate you <laughs> with reese's all right yeah with reese's. and we are of course now in the month of october if you're listening to this episode later and before we get too off track uh you want to chime in on this one freddie why was this such a bold move on zon's part to in the second chapter axe the ghost of ben kenobi and remove him from the yeah. story was it necessary for legends to happen Oof. yeah you know 
this is a good one because it's a bold choice, right? This is extremely bold to get rid of of such a critical character. But I think it was, it, in my opinion, it had to happen. And it had to happen because Jake put it very plainly, right? He, In order for, for Luke to grow, he needed to basically sever the the thing that, that Luke was leeching onto, right? Because sure. if you think about it, imagine finding out like, hey, by the way, uh, you're a, a super powerful being and there's only two of us in this entire universe because, you know, this guy killed them all. And by the way, we're dying now and it's all up to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and that's that's a tough thing. And I, and I don't and I hate keep making references back to the new canon no, you can. because that's it's a completely different. You but, can't in the first I mean, episode, we, but you can in part two. <laughs> we we hit so much of that. And I, I that's where I think I get frustrated with a lot of the criticism on some of these characters in the new canon um, is because the, those concepts and I don't know, maybe it's because we were see, you know, we had new characters that we were seeing with in the new canon, and it was different when we're dealing with our Luke and our Leia and our Han. But I don't know, just that general concept of I, the perfect word was sever to cut that and say, okay, now I've got to to move on. But you know, that's a character development on so many different levels. It's a kid growing up from their parents, and and ours. I mean, it's everybody can think back to that moment that they've got where, um you know they've had to cut something off and move on without it and that's really the only way that they can move forward and be successful it sucks yeah. it hurts right but you yeah know, it's in the bible the, uh, forget yeah. what lies behind and press on toward um what lies ahead there we go gotta have a bible reference yeah. in every episode don't look back. i mean it's, in, it's in the bylines one don't look back don't look back your um, your focus determines your reality yes there we go um so i think i don't know just it, necessary and you know i think it worked and out it was done well luke was focused there in the beginning in chapter two you're right it's on page 14 where this quote comes up in case you're thinking about getting this tattooed on your body because i sure am um in arabesh of course um yeah. my wife was like is there really a language in star wars and can you oh, yeah. speak it fluently and i was like yes and no no i haven't we dedicated hours to learning arabesh i don't know what kind of crazy person would do that yeah, I have, honestly. It was to prepare for my trip to Galaxy's <laughs> Edge because there were signs, and I was like, hey, this says there's a Dianoga in this water fountain. Look, and nobody was around to listen to me. It was <laughs> awesome. So funny. Um, you know, it's in, it's in chapter scared. two in this book, page 14, where this happens, and um, Luke's focus is on being lonely. Because you, you look at Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi, and he's really... Um, he's brooding. You know, he's obviously accomplished something, yeah. but he's hurt. I mean, he's deeply messed up. You know, The Last Jedi, Episode yeah. 8, takes that in a wildly different direction, which is mm -hmm. he's messed up for the rest of his life. In Legends, it's like he's messed up for a scene, all right? And yeah. in this scene, he's talking to Ben, and he's like, ah, just, I'm pretty sad. There's no other Jedi, and my dad killed him. That's pretty rough. And, um, you know... He, he's and then I killed him. Yeah, I mean he's using he's using uh, Ben's ghost as his therapist, and Ben's like, no, I don't want to do that, and I'm out of here. But instead, yeah. you know, it's thinking about the fact that um, Luke then gets a new focus on training a new order of Jedi, and you know, in this book especially, it's about saving the galaxy. But you know, Luke's not the only one who had a potential crutch in this book. It's it's honestly Grand Admiral Thrawn. There's another storytelling crutch here that is. It's quite weird. And all the weirdness of Legends. And that's one of the things I love about Legends. What about y'all? Is how weird it can get. I mean, our site mascot is Corrin Horn. 
for crying out loud. <laughs> so, I mean, we like the weird stuff, don't we? With all those daddy issues and medallions. And oh, man. Medallions. Medallions. Oh, for sure. Um, Freddie, do you think the Salamari, we're talking about Grand Admiral Thrawn, he's got these space salamanders, he hangs around his neck um, in order to block Jeruah Sabayoth from, you know, like taking over his mind and all that good stuff. Um, do you think that for him is a story, a storytelling shortcut? Or uh, how do you think it's handled compared to the Ben Kenobi Force Ghost thing? Yeah, I I never really thought about it, but it, it kind of is like a it's a creative it's a creative crutch for sure. I mean it, it's it's like uh, you know there there's many ways they could have done it. Like oh, you're just in a building that happens to suck away your power, but instead they created an animal that you know has some kind of story behind it of why it's force repellent. And I thought that was pretty cool because it, it adds like a, a complex to, uh, thing to it where you can, you know, read into this animal in like a, some kind of, you know, book. I, I don't know, like the, the warfare book, right? One of those types. Uh, it creates more lore and, and world building and stuff like that. And I thought it was pretty yeah. interesting because I, I, the whole time I read it, I was trying to figure out like, what is the purpose of this thing, man? They're like, why, why is it like this? And it, it's got me thinking about it some more. So I thought it was pretty creative. Yeah, um, it is creative. I like that you say that it contributes to the world building. Um, how about you, Jake? Are you are you yes or no on the space salamanders? <sighs> well, I was really turned off by them at first because I I I kind of had that. <laughs> I was like in the sense of like I was just kind of like a, oh come on, like real like I was trying to understand like that those first couple things reading it like what's he doing going here for this? Then I realized what was happening, but. One, I you know, I kind of warmed up to it. I always, always, always keep in the back of my mind. I think George Lucas is the one who said it. Is that the whole point of Star Wars and adding stories to Star Wars is to introduce new characters, introduce new places, and introduce new aliens, I guess. Um, and you know, so that's that's one of those things that I always kind of reminded myself. As I was reading things, anything that I in a, any of the stories where I've kind of been like, eh, you know, I'm not totally down with that. Um, you know, I try to open myself. You know, we're we're not just dealing with a planet. We're not just dealing with a solar system. We're dealing with a galaxy, and there's going to be a lot of stuff like that. So I warmed up to them. Um, you know, I personally, I think that like if this would have been, you know, Timothy Zahn and George Lucas working together to make a movie, it would have been like a an item yeah more of a um, MacGuffin. yeah it, yeah like that George would have said oh, i don't like lizards <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no, no no i don't like yeah and it would have been something <laughs> you know i like the idea of the emperor storehouse kind of stuff but i feel like it would have been something and then you know that it would have maybe made it a little bit more of a uh uh what's the word i'm looking for you know like to have the item and be protected and then kind of shift some things. I don't know. I, I thought it was creative. I ended up warming up to it. I don't think it distracted from the story any. I just, it took me a minute to kind of buy into it. You know, uh, Zon in the behind the scenes 20th anniversary edition, we're going to have to have a, a, some kind of a game where we ring a bell every time we reference this thing. It's, it's so shiny that my light is reflecting off of it. I've got to turn it just right in the camera. So that's cool. how, that's how important this book is in Star Wars Legends. Um, uh, Timothy Zahn does come out and say he needed some kind of a storytelling mechanism to be able to uh, prevent Jeruah Sabayoth from using force persuasion, but dark side force persuasion where he just takes over your brain powers. Um, you know, 
<laughs> he uses this in order to prevent Sabaoth from having control over Thrawn. But I like that it introduces Wayland. It gets them... Um, or no, it introduces Mirker, which is where the Salamari are. But then he connects the Salamari to... What are the beasts that uh, are? The, the Vornskers? Is that what they're called? Vornskers. Yes, On, um that are hunting Luke and Mara later in the book. So they come back to Mirker, and it's the, the, the Vornskers have actually adapted to be able to to hunt the Ysalamari by repelling the Force. And um, it's it's like he's created this entire ecosystem on Mirker, which is something really rare in Star Wars to be able to establish a new planet where its, it's whole thing is not either this. And, and this is a storytelling crutch we've seen in recent Star Wars storytelling Snow Planet. We make Star Wars movie. We make Sand Planet. We make yeah. Snow Planet. This is Star Wars. We need, we need ice. <laughs> exactly. We need sand. We need a jungle. Let's yeah. Go. And, but here he creates this entire culture, this entire ecosystem, showing how the yeah. creatures have adapted and evolved. So I, at first, it seems like a storytelling crutch, but if you really dig into it, you know, you're right, Freddie. It really is some some excellent world building, and and it's with lizards, right? It's with salamanders. Uh, which is um, <laughs> which is a ton of fun, of course. Yeah. Which I yeah. really enjoy. And I, I, I really. You know, we've talked about the, really stories, like about the storytelling shortcuts, and one of the things that we've talked about with with this book last episode, uh, I gave it a ten, a ten out of ten out of uh, Star Wars books. Um, Jake and Freddie, did you both give it a nine point five? No, that was just me because I'm complicated and i'm the, like the guy that everybody rolls their eyes about it's like come on jake really do you remember your score freddy i'm pretty sure i gave it a 10 yeah that's what i remember okay okay uh so it's you and me giving it a 10 um jake giving it jake a nine gave point. It like a five, I just, because remember me i said like i my tens are the masterpieces this this is probably your all's masterpiece but i just i don't i get it was really good i really enjoyed it i read it really fast i liked a lot of things for it but like I my masterpieces are I'm not having those moments where I'm like, eh, space salamanders. Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so so this book, while I consider it Chef's Kiss of a Star Wars book, um, it does have its goofiness, which I actually think enhances it. But yeah. I you know I've liked this book for a long time, so I've got the the t the twinge of nostalgia that I can never quite separate. So let's yeah. talk about some of the weirder things. Uh, where does this book miss? All right, and I've seen some criticism. Like I said last week, it has become popular to dump on *Heir to the Empire*, almost called the *Heir to the Jedi*, which is an appropriate <laughs> book to dump on. No, we won't. We're all about positivity here at Utini, you know, *Legends* and *Canon* and all that. All right, um, uh, Freddie, where where do you think *Heir to the Empire* misses the mark as a Star Wars story? Is there anything, anything at all? Hmm. This is a hard one because I I really like the book, and it could be of the nostalgia of it. But if I had to, this is tough, man. You're gonna have to come back to me All on right, this. We'll I, come gotta back hear, to I gotta hear Jake. <laughs> Jake, oh, you, you gave it a nine point. Always you gave it a nine point five. So there's something for you, right? This is always gonna be, and it was one of the better ones. More Millennium Falcon. <laughs> All right, somebody More, give this. That. But, but they, make a gift of that. There we go. Give that sucker. They just left the Millennium Falcon. Hanging out over indoor, and I'm like, we could have so many Falcon adventures. Yeah. I'm, I just, I don't, and that's why I've always loved the movies on things. It's just I love the ships well, and the traveling. There, and stuff there, like there that. is and this I, Jake. There's another Millennium Falcon in this book. There's an exact replica. Yes, yes there is. 
was going to say, this one did pretty good <laughs> compared to, uh, you know, you had a little, at the end there, you had some Falcon time going out in, in the battle. Um, I mean, I, I think when I was a kid, I watched The Empire Strikes Back the most because it just is was the movie that had the Millennium Falcon in it the most. And so, I, you know, that's what, as far as like more serious things, that it, I don't think it really, I re, there's really nothing I could put my pinpoint on to say it's lacking in that. I mean, I was really, I was, I was happy with the, the Luke and the Leia and the Han stuff. I'm glad that Lando was in it. I'm glad that we still had shades of the that we still had the empire even though it was a a, a uh whatever what's the saying the something of its former the remnant self. um a shadow yeah. of its former self um uh you know we had new places i loved card and mara so we had a little yeah. bit of the underworld side of things they're really i think that's when, when i remember kind of reading through it the first time and talking to some of you guys as i was doing it like my 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 personal review of it wasn't really long. i was like it's just good um and you know i think part of that goes back into i really don't feel like there was anything left out or too goofy other than the salamanders and the super buff old guy um that really buff obi-wan became a district yeah <laughs> look at these abs never dumbledore's, look, that's that, hard. dumbledore's abs <laughs> I mean, look at these suckers. Take that. Girl. You could grind. You could. You could grind the zest of a lemon on those. <laughs> but I don't know. Anytime, you know, I just my answer is always going to be, what you know, the, what's the faster, more intense, more Falcon, more yeah. Falcon, more Falcon. There you go. I mean, that's a that's an so. that's a great uh, criticism. It could be faster yeah, and more intense. Really good. It gives you two Falcons, and yet your number one critique is you need more Falcon. That's more <laughs> That's yeah. great. You got something yet, Freddie? I will say in yeah. the chat to give you more time. Uh, Cheryl has said for her the number one detractor, if anything, she loves the book, is that uh, Jerua Sabayoth is super creepy. I will say in a 2020, like, hey, we're 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 in the age of Me Too. Um, we're, we're a little bit better at understanding boundaries with creepy men toward women. Jerua Sabayoth, he's trying to experiment on Jedi, uh, on, a, on a pregnant woman. It's not okay. You know, it is yeah. really, really disturbing. Um, really wants to get in the mind. We talk about the violation of the, of the, of just space and stepping into it. He really likes to get in to the most private of the areas. <laughs> we'll say this much about Jerua Sabayoth. He could at least button up his robe. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. What you got, Freddie? Anything. Does so, anything miss the mark? I'm going to come at it at a different angle. And, and I think the reason why a lot of people are bashing on it, there's there's two camps, right? And this is, this is where I'm going to come from because I, I don't really feel like there's anything wrong with it in my point of view. But I feel like what a lot of, a lot of things... I, I here's what's happening, in my opinion. I feel like people are reading it as a 91 story right it was it was written a long, a long time ago in the 90s uh, and the the stylized version of or what it is right the way it reads is from the 90s and i feel like a lot mm -hmm. of people are are forgetting that we're in the 2000 or you know the 2000s now uh, upper to or the you know 2020 style has changed since the 90s style has changed yeah. in movies style has changed in books and i feel like people are oh, yeah. reading it as if it's still supposed to be relevant and and I, that's one of the things that i've seen at least I would say the other thing is a lot of people are used to the current Thrawn, which is, you know, he's more, uh, he's he's just as strategic, but he's not as malicious. He's an anti-hero, right. Yes, yeah. exactly. And, and so people like that. And, and honestly, I like that too. 
Uh, I like both. I, I think they they both lend some pretty scary things to to the story. Uh, I I would definitely fear uh, old uh, Legends Thrawn a little more than than current Thrawn. I feel like if I was at least a useful person, he would leave me alone. But this other one, maybe not so much. But uh, I, yeah. I, personally, I feel like people are reading it as if as if it's a two thousands book, right? It just doesn't read the same. The style is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to see a buff. Albus Dumbledore on a Harry Potter book, no, right? But no, maybe I mean, the, was... the covers alone, I mean, they have not especially aged well. I love them for that. I actually think they've gotten better over yeah. time. A lot of people have said, like I said last week, Club Jade ranked these some of the worst Star Wars covers ever. In fact, Del Rey just re-released new covers this decade. Um, but yeah, yeah, they don't age especially well in the... The writing style is different in terms of Star Wars books. Um, in in particular for me, the one the one big thing is in in that category, the things that didn't really age well is the incredibly frequent use of Star Wars tropes. Um, I mean, Zahn is looking, Thrawn himself got Thrawn poster right there. He's looking at me this entire time as I'm criticizing his book. I'm feeling a little scared with his red <laughs> eyes. He's literally staring right at me since I moved my desk. Anyway, um, I, the, the the number one thing that's disturbing in terms of this book just is really kind of getting under my skin is its incredibly frequent use of Star Wars tropes. There's a lot of reused dialogue from the original trilogy. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, you've got... Uh, didn't he talk about... Didn't Zahn talk about doing that intentionally, though? Yeah, he did, but Zahn, bless his heart, has a way of <laughs> acknowledging his faults and explaining himself out of his storytelling problems rather yeah. than taking the criticism and saying, I should work on that. He just like defends yeah. himself. He just doubles down. So yeah, the, yeah. the number one thing okay. that bothers me here is that uh, there's a lot of people two or three times in this book alone. It's egregious. How many times people say, I've got a bad feeling about this. I mean, it's coming up a <laughs> lot. Um, hey, th- there's, <laughs> it's me. There's, yeah, exactly. There's, <laughs> there's an entire point in this book where um, uh, Han and Leia are having a conversation and Leia for real ex- uh, explicitly quotes she says this, I am not a committee. And like, that didn't need to happen. Like, you can understand that it's Han and Leia, even if she doesn't say, I am not a committee. So good. See, for me, it kind of helped in some <laughs> cases because I could, like, I don't know. When you think about Star Wars books, I can read those and I can hear the voices of the characters in my own head versus, <laughs> like, other books that yeah. I Well, he read. does a great job with that. He does. Yeah, but I don't, those were like nice little moments for me where I was able to like hear that character's voice, and if I maybe was trailing off, I mean, I I definitely see what you're saying. I mean, there there were some moments where I'm just like, okay, we're you know, yeah, copied the script down. But I did kind of. There were some times whenever I thought to myself, like, I can hear them saying that right there. Yeah, for me, it was just a little uh, eye rolling, and I and I've read this book maybe seven times. This was the first time that it bothered me. So maybe it's just that I've read the book too many times. You know, we'll, we'll just say it's my fault, not Zahn's, but yeah. it was Zahn, you know, Zahn's fault. All right. Well, I think about that. If I would going through read it again, it was now, now it will stick with me as I go in and read it. So yeah, for sure. I, I will say once you've read 200 legends books, this one stands out yeah. as especially egregious in terms of its, chocolate? it's reuse of, <laughs> of uh, original trilogy dialogue. All right. Is that your complaint, Freddie? The hot chocolate? Yeah, I, I I was just thinking about it, and I even looked at the show notes. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, Cheryl wants Forgot to say for the record, got to put it on the record that she likes the quote of uh, you know I am not a committee, <laughs> and she also 
um, says that uh, she likes the hot chocolate. And she also says that Greedo shot first. Okay, um, what did you want to say, Freddie? Well, I don't know. I just I just feel like there's there's times where, where I read something and it kind of takes me out and I just kind of like... <laughs> do one of those and then I just keep reading and that was uh yeah that was one of them right like yeah. you just kind of it takes you out for like a, a second and you're just you just think about it and you just move on but uh definitely the hot chocolate you know it just um so it what, what Freddie's talking about here if you haven't read the book is early on um when we're first reintroduced to Luke in this book he is established very clearly as good boy Luke capital yeah. G Capital B, good boy Luke. This is not Luke of The Last Jedi. This is Luke as a hero who has leveled up in a big way. Not only is he uh, like almost a Jedi master at this point, he also is so good that he would never touch an alcoholic beverage. He drinks hot chocolate. And for me, <laughs> isn't Lando the one who gave it to him? Because yeah. that was He's the like, biggest thing. This is to an me. exotic beverage. You're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from the beans no way of... Lando because I, if I remember didn't they try to make it seem like it probably would be like oh Lando set me up with this exact whatever and you're like oh yeah I can imagine only imagine what Lando's giving him there and it's like hot chocolate and you're like what? Yeah, yeah it's not Corellian whiskey which is Han's favorite drink yeah. uh, Leia's favorite yeah. is Alderanian wine and uh, because she's a mom you gotta have that white wine um, but <laughs> you know for <laughs> For two ice cubes for please. Luke. <laughs> Only two. For Luke, it actually becomes an inside joke in Legends. Let's keep a count, Freddy. Um, okay. Every book that mentions hot chocolate, let's start the show off with sipping some hot chocolate, especially now that we get I'm into down. winter. Um, it happens a lot. Happens a lot for sure, which is Luke is like, he's such a good boy. He doesn't drink alcohol. He's just, he drinks hot chocolate. He's got terrible teeth because of it, all the sugar. Um, <sighs> he got Austin Powers teeth, definitely. But. You know, this book ultimately is really successful. It's a New York Times number one bestseller for a reason. And that is because it really does establish this universe. And it reestablishes the old universe, but it also sets off the new with an incredible foundation. We've talked about where it misses the mark, but let's talk about some of the things it's successful with. Um, how in particular, Jake, do you think Heir to the Empire contributes to the world building of the EU? I don't know how many um, Legends books you've read, and that's fine, but um, how can you imagine that this book establishes the foundation for, for, for this new era of Star Wars storytelling? Well, I think the biggest thing is kind of like what I was talking about before with just the whole idea, you know, George Lucas, his mentality with each movie is that you were supposed to build and add new places and new different characters. And I, I like that there weren't, they didn't revisit any planets in the in this one in Heir to the Empire that were from the original trilogy. And I think that that was kind of important to do because of that world building to, to kind of jumpstart people to remember and see and focus on the fact that, you know, there's more out there than Hoth and Tatooine, Tatooine especially because it shows up all the time. Um, so, you know, I think Zahn was probably in a pretty nice spot here because he didn't have to create the whole world within the world but i think he set the precedent of um you know this we can tell a story and it can be a good story and we don't have to go back to tatooine all the time i mean even lando didn't return to cloud city um you know we have the establishment of coruscant which i didn't realize that Zahn created Coruscant, mm -hmm. and George Lucas 
used that and took that for the prequel trilogy. Um, and I think it was really cool to see a lot of those types of things. And like I said, you know, Zahn didn't really have the responsibility of creating this new world. I mean, we're talking about a galaxy here. The possibilities are endless. There's thousands, millions maybe of planets that they could go to. Yeah. Um, but I think he really set that precedent that you can tell a story with these characters and never set foot in any of the places that you know and love. And it's still going to be a really good story. I hadn't thought about that, Jake. They don't go back to original trilogy locations, really. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't really that he was kind of creating, was doing a good job of creating this world outside of the world. I mean, I think he was just saying and doing, you know, being able to say, we can tell this story now without those. And that is what, I think probably gave a lot of other writers confidence. And, yeah, that's a good point. He, know, does, the, he the does empower to, other authors for sure. Yeah. To say, okay, well, you know, to have a successful story, I don't need to have Tatooine here. Um, we don't need another don't desert need planet. Have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jakku? Tatooine? Why does everybody want to go back to the desert? Geonosis? Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you think, Freddie? So, that's just kind of my take on it. I think you did a good job. Okay, so I'm going to Doctor Who everyone real quick and take everyone <laughs> back to the 90s, right? When this book first came out. And granted you're you're in you're in the dark ages. Uh you're not it's I would say it's it's the beginning of the dark ages. Uh you're not or maybe it's right in the middle, I would say. It's right in the middle of the dark ages. And you you don't really have anything new from Star Wars that's too too out there, right? You don't have anything that's that's big. It's all, uh, I would almost say, like, fan, it, it's underground. Uh, you've got Power of the Force series, which was pretty hot around, yeah. I want to say, like, 94, 95, somewhere, like, somewhere around there. Yeah. And uh, you you don't really have anything new. And what Zahn did was he, like, like Cheryl said, he brought back, or he didn't bring back, he created Coruscant. He created Coruscant. Yeah. Imagine reading a book, and you're just like, what the heck is this planet? Because you've only seen what you've seen, right? You've seen... Hoth, you've seen a lot of other planets, but you've never seen Coruscant and you've never seen Kashyyyk, right? So you're just imagining like these giant trees in your head and, and, and you know, people who read it now, you, you take it for granted that uh, these, these planets that you just built, right? And we, we've seen them already, but going back and thinking about how much he built, right? He got Thrawn and he, he got Mara Jade in there too. Oh my goodness. I mean, this guy, he did a lot for, for Star Wars. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, you know, in some big ways, Mirker comes back up in uh, The New Jedi Order. It plays a significant role at a pivotal book in Star by Star. Mirker is the main setting. Um, you know, we find, of, of course, Mara being one of the major Legends characters. Uh, we've got a debate going on in the chat between Cheryl and Skuma Joe, which is a ton of fun to see. Welcome, Skuma Joe, to the chat. Um, one of our Discord enthusiasts, I'll say Legends, the Grand Admiral of Legends is Skuma Joe. Uh, and he is busting out some factoids on us. Uh, of course, these are actually in the show notes. And so you beat, you've stolen my thunder, Skuma Joe, uh, which <laughs> is that that technically Timothy Zahn didn't invent Coruscant. He named Coruscant. And so yeah. uh, George Lucas had the idea for a planet-wide city. And then Ralph McQuarrie did incredible concept art. We'll see if we can find it and post it in the Discord uh, since that's Skuma Joe's, you know, um, his his habitat. Like uh, like a Salamari on Mirker, you know, the Joe lives on Discord. You know, we'll we'll say this much that that um, this was something that was in the West End Games material that then 
Zahn incorporated, and he named, and that name stuck, and then was incorporated into the prequels, which is, it's a pretty big honor. George doesn't really acknowledge the, the, I would say the EU, he doesn't acknowledge Legends very much, not very much at all, and so for him to throw a bone to Timothy Zahn is pretty cool, for being honest. And so, you know, it establishes so many things, um, the, the maneuver that Luke pulls in order to escape the Imperial tractor beam comes up again in Rebels, as does the several other Star Wars books, as well as um, the maneuver that happens. Mark Sable. Yeah, the, the Mark Sable from the, the very first chapter. Mm. That comes up again in Rebels. There you go with some Legends Rebels uh, crossover factoids, Jake. <laughs> and the Clone Wars, don't they? They they bring they tie in the Clone Wars. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Clone Wars. Flower. Yeah. Well, it's no, but it it's Rebel. He does it in Rebels, but there is the tie-in with the Clone oh, Wars. Wow. Because Ahsoka, I thought it was somewhere it was implied that the character knew Vader knew what it was because of what he remembered as Annie. So there's some connection there. Hmm. That's a whole different story though. But it, yeah, I, it was from the legends. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, let us know everybody (laughs) in the chat, what your number one uh, world building aspect of heir to the empire is. I I think for me, it might be the hot chocolate. No, 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 just kidding. (laughs) I think that it's the, um, I think it's, um, I've, I've blanked on his name. It's either like a toss-up between Gilead Pelion or, you know, his, his, his character arc is absolutely just heartwarming and heartbreaking in Legends. It's just so perfect. Incredible Imperial. My favorite Imperial for sure in Legends. Um, and it's, it's a toss-up between everybody's favorite Imperial or everybody's most hated Rebel which is Borskphalia, or as I like to call him, Warskphalia, because he's the, he's the worst, for sure. Um, that was a bad dad joke, but I am definitely yeah, rocking some it's okay. suburban dad energy. Um, <laughs> you, you got anything? Who's, who's, who's your favorite of the two, Freddy? Is it, uh, is it Borsk or is it Gilad? Um, I, <laughs> every time I read Borsk, his character, I, I just dislike him so much. Uh, I don't. I would definitely say. I don't know, man. <laughs> this is a tough one. I, I would there, say, there, do you love to hate Borskphalia more than you love to love Gilad Pelion? That's the question. So I like I like Pelion because I, <laughs> he's competent yet incompetent, right? And and he's he's definitely coming in at our point of view where he's asking all the right questions. Uh, you just accept some. You you expect someone with his rank in the military to be a little, a little more strategic and intelligent. But I mean, I, there, there's a reason why he's there, and I like I like the. Without him, the story wouldn't read anywhere close to what. I mean, Zahn would be even more of a mystery, and it just wouldn't make sense. So, I mean, I like that, but uh, I really I I love to hate Borst, man. I love to hate him. I do too. I especially love the way that he. Um, you know, comes along in uh, the Legends continuity, how he goes from, like, Thrawn's understudy to eventually, you know, becoming the the the, the good Imperial, right? The Imperial who actually has his head on straight. He's not um, uh, an egomaniac. He's not megalomaniacal. I'm not sure if that's even a word, but I just said it. I said it. I said the word. And thank you, Andrew, for that bit. Uh, who wants to say that he also... Loves. So, oh, I don't know if I want to say this. It's sounding a little bit raunchy. He, all right, I'm gonna say it. He says uh, he loves some Pelion stash. Yum yum. All right, let me get closer to the mic. He says yum yum. Oh, all right, I'm gonna grow heart. a stash. I'm gonna grow a stash yum, this winter yum. just 
just for Andrew. Um, do some Pelion cosplaying. We'll see. Yeah, Faley is a love hate. If I was gonna cosplay as Faley, I'd need to grow out some real body hair. If you know what I'm saying. Oh man, no he thanks. Is, <laughs> he is one hairy character. Um, and and he's he's really utilized well by a lot of authors because he's easy to write. He's after his own agenda. He's pursuing his own politics. He's your example of somebody who is corrupt and yet competent in mm. Legends on the good side, right? He's a rebel. He's in the New Republic. You know, this is one of the big things that's, I think, being established very well. There's a lot of nuance in this book in how we see the development of the rebels going from being a rebellion, a you know, guerrilla warfare movement, to becoming a government, right? You know, if you're a Hamilton fan... um, you know, um, fighting a war is easy, but governing's harder, right? Uh, you know, this is a, a big transition that's happening. And um, we do want to say that in Heir to the Empire, this is one of the big transitions that's happening. So, so Jake, you know, as somebody who's, who's read a lot of the new canon, um, who's, who's pretty well entrenched in the modern-day Star Wars, we see the Republic go... Uh, to the the rebellion, to the new republic, to the resistance. Um, how about in Legends? How do you see this book establishing this new chapter, where the rebellion um, goes saw... from being uh, a movement to a government? Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of the same. I, th- I feel like with new canon, what a huge piece of their their what they've tried to achieve between the aftermath trilogy and Bloodline was I think they tried to take a slower approach to like answering some of the questions about things that were probably skimmed over yeah. um, with the establishment of this new Republic government in the Legends. It's a little haphazard book, which, in, Le- in Legends. Yeah, yeah, which is understandable. I mean, you can't hold that against anybody. I mean, it, you know, Zahn started this big movement with these expanded universe books, and everybody else essentially kind of had to backtrack. Um, and there was more of a concerted concerted yeah concerted that's good concerted effort with the new canon which i think was really effective i wasn't like turned off by i I don't know why i keep saying what's (laughs) turning me on and turning me off tonight uh i wasn't really turned off by the way that the new government was i think why i hated failure the most and and this kind of plays into it was that he you know, we got a little bit of an explanation of like where he was during the original trilogy and what he was doing. But my thing with him was always like, who is this guy? Like Leia was there from the beginning and the things that she went through and what she was involved with, you know, Mon Mothma popped up in Return of the Jedi, which that character kind of, but I, that was always my issue with him is I was like, why is everybody listening to this guy and supporting this guy and okay with this guy questioning these people that are, literally the reason why this government is here right now um that and you know i can understand that and i you know you try to get in the mentality of like how would people be um whenever you move into those situations that you know you want to avoid what you had before and you got new voices and that kind of stuff um and you know i i don't i don't know i don't not have anything to say about it i don't i just i I like the new canon establishment better, but I love the Aftermath trilogy, but that's just kind of, that's, you know, beside the point right now. I yeah. wasn't, I didn't dislike the new government or the government that was established in an heir to the empire. I thought it was as effective as it could be. I, I truly, the way I guess I think of it is it's just another, another version of the same story to me. 
and I just like the canon one better. You know, in particular, what it establishes well is that you have some um, some people in the new government who are not part of the rebellion, who are using the the victories and the the accomplishments of the rebellion as political stepping stones to their own career. And that's what Phalia does. You know, many yeah. Bothans died to bring us this information. Um, you know, so yeah. he is like, hey, I'm a Bothan, and I want to have power. So mm-hmm. he moves into power for his people, not for the galaxy. And for his own, um, you know, his own uh, political career. So he's not afraid to throw, like, Admiral Akbar under the bus. And, and we, as the reader, we're like, hey, we love Akbar. We love some fish face. Yeah. Um, That's our yeah, absolutely. We love to quote that stuff. So, <laughs> you know, how dare you get Akbar arrested at the end of the book? Yeah. And so, you know, um, one of the things it shows is there were heroes on both sides. And there's villains on both sides. Yeah. Um, Freddie, do you want to chime in on this? How do we see the, 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 the birth of the New Republic in this book? You know what really turns me on? The Republic. Um uh... <laughs> oh no <laughs> you, democracy <laughs> democracy <laughs> democracy democracy <laughs> um anyway yeah i love democracy <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you, you begin to see the true form of what they're trying to go for right out of out of all i guess rebellion there there has to be a struggle and there has to be a battle and you know they 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 basically arise from violence and they're trying to be the opposite of, and this is, you know, everybody knows this. They're trying to be the opposite of what they just destroyed, which is, and I, I'm not sure I'm getting canon and, and legends mixed up, but uh, you know, they get rid of, of weapons as much as possible. I believe that I'm not sure if that's canon or legends. I'm, I'm blanking. Yeah, it's right canon. Now. Yeah. Yeah. It's canon. Yeah. Whereas, you know, it, it, I don't think it's the same in legends, but you can see there's like a, laying the arms down we're, we're going to be a little more peaceful we're going to try to help everybody out uh and you see it in this book right leia helps out the um nogri uh into yeah. into you know getting getting recognition within in the republic and and you know that i forgot about um sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no, you but that just made me think about um the senator um that han and lando go we haven't talked about him at all um senator Bell Iblis. He's not in this book. Um, oh, okay, crap. Well, I just ruined that. <laughs> yeah, no, you're fine. But I, but I, to play off what Freddie was saying, I, and I just that was what it was making me think of was, you know, the the laying down of arms, but the coming together, the power, and seeing those characters differently. So I didn't mean to yeah. hijack. No, it. no, it's good. <laughs> and, and I'm gonna hijack your point with something that's not even in I this thought- book. <laughs> We'll revisit that point in another book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with Timothy. Timothy's going to be our guest. Not you, Jake. Yeah. You're out of here. Yeah, it's okay. It's a good thing this is part two, because I wouldn't be asked to come back. <laughs> no. Part yeah, so the last. Just, just going back to it, right, you, you start to see the maturity of, of the rebellion, because they're, they're no longer calling themselves the rebellion, and you can kind of see that shift in the book, right? They're like, well, they're they're the republic now, the, the new republic, and... And you see how mature everyone's becoming and you're starting to see the political games, right? Because everyone was on the same team before, but now that, that you know, there's there's a little more safety, they can go after each other. And, and you see that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. They they do go after each other, which is it's pretty cutthroat. I mean, it, it leaves me pretty conflicted throughout this book. 
to feel like, um, oh man, why are we going after Akbar? He's not the right, you know. And, and eventually, we're gonna find out what's actually happening, who the leak is, and uh, it's not what I was expecting. First read through, in fact, the first few read throughs, I was like, I don't know who the spy is, and I read these books before, uh, <laughs> and so you feel that like not all is well, even though the rebels won the Battle of Endor. They have not yet successfully established their control over the galaxy. Um, you know, it really is a make-it-or-break-it moment for the New Republic. It's, of course, also, you know, make-it-or-break-it for the EU. You know, this is a massive turning point in Legends. Uh, Zahn has to establish his villains. And it was interesting, there's actually two pretty big villains in this book. And uh, I'm not talking about Hot Chocolate and Borskphalia. I'm talking about uh, you know, Grand Admiral Thrawn himself and Jeruus Sabaoth, which is kind of a kind of bold move to uh, begin your new trilogy with two villains instead of just one. And they're teaming up, but they don't really like each other. It's kind of um, layered, which is fun. But, you know, Thrawn really is one of the most memorable Legends villains. However, my biggest gripe with the book is I find the, the, the ending lackluster. Um, I like the final battle, but it's anticlimactic because at the end, Thrawn says, oh, well, it didn't actually matter at all, and we're still pursuing our ultimate plans. All right. It's like, he doesn't. That was a terrible impression. I tried, and I failed. <laughs> and uh, I like I'm just going to layer in I the like exact it. quote from the audiobook, and nobody's ever going to know. I'm just going to edit that <laughs> in. Uh, that's the perks of being your own editor. Um, Thrawn really is one of the most memorable Legends villains. But let me ask you, Freddie, did Thrawn ever have a chance, honestly, of reestablishing the Empire? No chance. He had no chance. And None? Zero percent chance? Yeah, you've got, you've got... What are the odds, Jedi. Freddy? Tell me the odds. Never tell me the odds. Uh... <laughs> 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 Original trilogy quote. Those. You could be Timothy Zahn. <laughs> um, he didn't have a chance. And the reason is you've got a deranged dark Jedi, right? on on your team who's not really on his team he it's almost like he just wants to get rid of this guy the second he can uh but you've got luke skywalker you've got basically the 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 jedi on one side and you've got thrawn on the other side and there's no way the force is gonna let thrawn thwart the light side it needs to come back right they're just like all right this balance we've had enough of, of sidious we've had enough of vader you know, boom with the with the light side until you get some darkness here and there and naked palps everywhere. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> wow, that is not something I've Look ever what considered. You have made. Look what you have made, he says. <laughs> what, what what odds would you, what what odds would you give um would you give Thrawn, uh, Jake, any better odds than Freddy? Freddy's kind of well, uh, I shooting low on this one. I the way I kind of saw it, what I always kind of imagined would be the most realistic way that it would have happened is that the kind of you know as we start to nod back to the Clone Wars maybe but almost like the galaxy would just gonna would have been split into factions um, and I think that that would have probably should have probably been Thrawn's more realistic goal I always I like. I like that Freddie brought it up in terms of the force because I'd never really thought of it that way, that the force was the manipulator here. The force was the one that was controlling this and the force wouldn't have let that happen. Um, because I, I don't know, maybe I'm looking at it in a more 
literal way of just general people. Um, and maybe I'm forgetting the fact that the force has an impact over, because, you know, I think of it in terms of like, you know, we talk about this in, in some of my classes, you know, humans are in, inherently evil creatures. Um, and we, you know, they're selfish and they're a survival of the fittest kind of scenario. And they, you know, you kind of look at this whole scenario with the new Republic is that these people, you know, these insurgents within this society as the empire painted them as being terrorists almost, you know, they finally get to the point where they're the ones who are governing the galaxy, but they've got to find somebody to rebel against. And so they end up doing it towards each other. And so, you know, I, I, part of me thinks that, you know, yeah, I think Thrawn would have had a chance because I, I feel like in the galaxy, there were plenty of people there who, you know, the same way that you look at any totalitarian government that are kind of brainwashed into loving it because they like the order and the focus and those, they don't realize how bad they have it. Um, but I don't think we saw enough of what else was going on in the galaxy to really get a feel for that. So I think it's hard to say, I, I think he would have had a chance, but it never would have been the same thing as it was because especially with the establishment with, of, in this book that the emperor himself had so much impact on how the military operated and what they were able to do. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. it's a good point. Um, I really go back and forth on this a lot. I'll say some of my critique here for uh, our episode on the last command, which we'll get to in just a few weeks. And that is to say that um, it seems to me that Thrawn was only going down from the inside. You know, he was not going to be taken down by the rebels. They, they were never going to be able to touch him. They were they were never going to figure out. They could never get yeah. a step ahead of him. In, in this book, he's always one step ahead. He eventually doesn't win the battle, but he's still got a plan that's in motion that they don't even have a handle on. Um, they don't have any way to beat him. There's no battle strategist other than maybe Akbar. But Akbar's been arrested at the end of this book, which is an absolute um, you know, masterstroke by Zahn. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's something that. Um, works really well in terms of saying, well, this guy's kind of going to be untouchable. You know, Thrawn is somebody who I always believed would have succeeded if he hadn't neglected his own blind spots. And we'll save, uh, yeah. um, you know, we'll save that for another day. Um, we'll talk about what those blind spots are. You know, you have to read our other books in the series. Dark Force Rising, I think it's the first time I've ever even pulled these off the shelf since I bought them. And The Last Command. If I can just figure out where my freaking camera is. All right, somewhere around here. All right, here we go. Yeah. Uh, Dark Force Rising. Oh, okay, you're flexing your new covers. Um, no. no. New is not always better. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I'm like, <laughs> news not All right, always one better. last major question uh, before we start to wind things down tonight. We'll say welcome to Rob Neese, who has joined us late. Uh, but fashionably so. So welcome, Rob. Glad to have you here with us on Legends Look Back. And so uh, the big question that we've got, of course, tying the fact in that Thrawn has been recently recanonized, which was absolutely one of the most exciting moments for me ever as a Star Wars fan. Star Wars Celebration Europe in what feels like Gosh. eons ago in a Star Wars Celebration Europe. Was that 2016, Freddie? Uh, yeah, because 2015 was in, I believe, in Anaheim again. In Anaheim, yeah, in California. Yeah. So you were paying attention. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a, 
I'm an old school celebrations fiend. I, I went back in when it was in LA. I think that was like Okay, was, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've never been. Um, but now that it's been canceled for this year, hey, maybe I can make the next one, which is cool. Uh but in twenty sixteen, there's no way I can make that one unless we go all Doctor Who like Freddy. I was in Germany, I think. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, at that one, there was this massive moment for all Thrawn, Zahn, EU fans, which was that Thrawn was going to be making his return to canon in both Rebels and a new standalone novel from Timothy Zahn himself. And believe it or not, can you believe this? Star Wars fans on the internet began to speculate. Some of the opinions were good. Some of them were terrible. Just like us. We're going to have some good ones. We're going to have some bad ones tonight, too. And that's this. One of the major pieces of speculation leading into Season 3 of Rebels, which was going to reintroduce Grand Admiral Thrawn, was was this crazed Darth Maul going to serve the same function in the story as the crazy clone Jeruus Sabaoth back in, um, in Heir to the Empire? Jake, do you think this would have worked in Rebels? To have uh, Maul serve this the same role that Sabiath played, do you think uh, Thrawn could have manipulated him to use him for his own agenda, um, or, or do you think that it's just a fundamentally different character? Um, I mean, I do think fundamentally it's a different character, and for me, for me, it's so hard because the the way that things are is so established. Go go back um, to the summer of twenty sixteen, Jake. Yeah. If if there's one thing to be said about our podcast is that we're fashionably late with this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, it d- does not seem. I could see it happening. I could. Um, with Thrawn needing that person, and I could, you know, I could see Thrawn kind of. I don't know. See, so much of that time period with Rebels, I think, was so. I think where it would have hurt is that so much of that time period with rebels was focused on the fact that the Jedi were gone and that they were no more. And you had Tarkin that was kind of in there. And so it was almost like you got Ezra and Kanan that were running around as like, you know, almost impersonators because they didn't want, you know, the inquisitors were still there hunting people down, but like, it's almost like the role was different. Like it would have been interesting to see how Thrawn would have, gone to mall and said okay i've got to you know i want you to be this person to be able to because the force was in, you understand yeah, what I'm battle, like battle meditation was... isn't nearly enough of a thing in canon <laughs> I, all right i'm gonna yeah. make i'm gonna make red hats that say this uh make battle meditation canon again yeah uh, what do you that like would it, be... it work <sighs> i don't like i didn't <laughs> the number that. one force power in all of legends battle meditation somebody a jedi or a set sits in a room and they think really hard about war, and everybody fights harder. I just <laughs> extremely OP. Like I think if they would have brought in Maul to do that, they would have been giving so much more credit to that side of the force that would have pulled away from Vader and the Emperor, who were essentially at their peak at this time. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that that would have fit Kron- Thrawn's characterization or Maul's characterization, really, for Thrawn to say, okay, I need this person to be able to do this for me when you got Vader and the Emperor over there sitting there being like, well, what do you have us, why do you need to go get Maul? To yeah, you have sure, us? you've got Vader and the Emperor in that same time period. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. Whereas in Legends, Thrawn is the big bad. He is, yeah. he's the godfather. You know, he's, he's, in, he's, yeah. he's large and in he charge. He needs one. He doesn't have a Vader and an Emperor at his disposal, so he's oh, got to go okay. find where one would be. 
Yeah, so he's he's recruiting his own Vader. That's cool. I like that a lot. His yeah. own bare-chested, uh, ab-infested ab Vader. Um, you know, <laughs> Rob Neese makes a great point in the chat, which is, in Legends, he has the Yasalamari, which makes Sabayoth a variable he can control. Whereas Maul, he's not going to be very controllable. He's learned his lesson not to be manipulated by uh, a, a big Imperial villains. That's an excellent point from Rob in the chat. Uh, what do you think, Freddie? Um, do you yeah. think it would have worked to have Maul, uh, you know, function as the Sabaoth role? Nah, not even, not even a little bit. I mean, come on, yeah. they're both crazy. They're both Darksiders. What else do you they're need? You got Thrawn. So... <laughs> you got Skywalkers. Yeah, it it seems like it would work, but I don't feel like like Darth Maul is is as crazy as Sabiath is. I feel like like Sabiath is, is literally a guy you pick up on the street and you're just like, hey, and you're just like, oh, dude, stay away from me. But, uh... <laughs> I think he's a different kind of crazy. Maul is so... Mar- Maul is yeah. like a different legit, kind like, of crazy, psychotic crazy, colon, a Star Wars story. <laughs> What's that, Freddie? Uh, I think Maul is is a psychotic crazy, whereas, whereas Sabiath is just like, uh, you know, some dude on the side of the street who's just lost his marbles kind of guy uh, that's how i Let see me take it. your baby <laughs> yeah whereas you know you can see Maul saying, <laughs> that was I'm an excellent impression kids. i'm gonna train them I, I don't know i i just i don't feel like it's the same and maul doesn't give me the vibe that i get from druis that's all oh man that's, i need a ringtone yeah. of jake saying let me take your babies that was good <laughs> this has been quite the episode Wow. All right. As we're winding down, right. I've, I've had a ton of fun. I don't know about y'all. This has been just an absolute blast. We're talking about one of the best Legends books there ever was or ever will be because, I mean, hey, Legends is pretty much, for the most part, a closed canon, even though it's not canon. You know what I mean. It's closed. It's happened. It's over. Any book before 2014, including this classic from 1991. What we're talking about, of course, is Heir to the Empire. As we close out, guys, before we wind it all down, let me ask you, what was your favorite part of the book? Uh, everybody in the chat in the Discord, let us know what's your favorite scene, favorite character, whatever it is. Uh, faves in the chat, Freddie, lead us off. You know, I really liked. I liked the beginning. It set the tone of everything. You realized that Luke was going to be on his own. Having having that that second chapter, I believe, with with uh, that conversation with Obi Wan, and he's like, "Look, this is the last time we're going to talk." And and you're just like, "Oh shoot!" It, it really sets the mood, and I felt. If it wasn't for that moment, I don't know if, if I would have felt the same about the whole story, which was like, Luke, you got to, bro, you got to grow up, man. Grow up and and move on and get stronger and just beat this thing because it, it, you're, you're it. That's it, man. This is all you kind of thing. And that moment was was my favorite. I read it a few times because it, I had to let it sink in to really understand what Luke must have been feeling at that moment. So Good, good. Um Almost sounded like the Emperor when I said that. Good, good. good. All right, it's been a long week. Ugh. What you got, Jake? Same, same. No thing. way, same I mean, thing. Probably the first, probably the first fifty pages. I just, I, I mean, that's. There's not really an event. I, tr- I'm trying to think of an event. You know, I, I, personally, I mean, the when we started to get towards the climax and some of those things on Merker is where <laughs> Merker. You know, Only a Southerner would other. say Merker. <laughs> West Virginia down on Merker. <laughs> Um, but I, the, those first 50 pages and stuff where, you know, we're getting reintroduced to the characters, like Freddie said, we're setting a tone. 
Um, uh, you know, it was just nice to get back with those characters and it only kind of went uphill from there. But if I had to go back and reread, relive, I liked that, you know, getting the introduction to them the first time, you know, I guess you got the ending, you got the, the little showdown on marker, um, oh, no. those types of things, which are exciting moments. But I just, you know, I, I felt like star Wars when I started, I think I read through the first 50 pages nonstop. Like I didn't stop after the first chapter. Cause I was just like, this is good. And that's yeah. I, One of my I favorite nights in all of Utini was uh, the night that you started air to the empire because you were just posting <laughs> a stream of consciousness, which was happening in the slack. Yes. You were just saying like, turns out yeah. this book is good. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. yes, Jake, come to the dark yeah. side of legends. Yeah. Excellent. We've got some great Ooh. answers in the chat. Absolutely great answers. If I can even scroll back far enough to get to all these answers. All right, Cheryl, in all caps, says that uh, Mara and Luke without the Force in the forest is and having to survive together. That's the, her favorite scene. It really is sheer ah. perfection. I like that a lot. Oh, what do you mean, ah? They, there's a board curse. <laughs> what else do you there's need? There's a board I no uh the I will say I because I just like the lore the conversation between Luke and Mara where Mara finally tells Luke her backstory yeah yeah that's I good was really excited to well because he doesn't reveal it until that, pretty late in the book definitely the third act yeah and so you know she she elaborates on that to say you've got um, Luke having to learn to survive without the Force alongside a woman a very angry woman who wants to kill him so that's pretty fun. And, um, you know, we all know, of course, where that story goes, which is a ton of fun. All right, we've also got some great answers here uh, from from <laughs> Wes, who says, step off. Don't know what he's talking about. That can't be an answer, but uh, sorry, sorry we upset you, Wes. All right, Andrew. All right, here we go. Andrew says, Luke and Mara on Merker. So much sexual tension as they fight for their lives. Uh, so great answer there from Andrew, and thanks for that bit. Also want to say thank you to NFL Super Pro. For uh, the follow, glad to have you here on Legends Look Back. Welcome. In just a little bit, we're going to have another stream happening right here on uh, twitch.tv slash utini underscore US. There it is. All right. Uh, who else? Rob says he loves my, uh, oh, he loves Jake's shelves. His favorite part of the book is Jake's <laughs> shelves. Sal. <laughs> That's why Jake's single right now, too. Actually. Awesome. <laughs> Love that. That's why Jake's single. All right. All my money goes to the show. That's why Jake to... is single, colon, a Star Wars story. <laughs> and uh, Skuma Joe says the best part is when Luke drinks hot chocolate, obviously. So Skuma Joe is here to stay. Glad to have you here. Excellent answer. Uh, we've also, um, I, I do want to say before we wind up, uh, before, before we wind down, or wind up, if you're going to stay for the Squadron stream, which I am, I'm going to stay up hours from now because it's uh tomorrow's my day off and i'm excited about squadrons uh to close this out i will say my favorite part of the book is kind of a toss-up between when luke escapes his prison shed because it's a shed i mean they're rednecks on mirker or murker you know they're real rednecks the way that they bust out the way that, it's basically the west virginia of the, the galaxy West Virginia. <laughs> you got you got critters in the woods i can say that i can say that <laughs> and so the the way here. that he escapes is by hot wiring his electronic hand um which is pretty cool you know he uses the power cell from that which so was cool. a really inventive way to repurpose return of the jedi uh and andrew says in the chat hashtag find jake's mara jade i love that <laughs> this is let's this find jake's jake's a jade woman. jake let's find jake a woman who wants to kill him in the woods there we go <laughs> and we've already got the <laughs> jake's already been gift excellent 
I love it. Um, and, and it's a toss-up for me either between the hot wiring the hand or when Luke does his inventive escape from the tractor beam in his X-Wing and then accidentally strands mm-hmm. himself. That's really exciting, really inventive, uh, a absolutely great touch from Zahn. Next week, however, we're not talking about a Zahn book. We are talking about a swath of Legends characters. Joining us next week, Meg Dowell herself, the Lady of Legends, as I like to call her. I just made that up right here, right now. Does it does it stick? Does it not? <laughs> Who knows? It's certainly going to be better than Spready Freddy. Um, <laughs> but I will say Meg is going to be joining us to talk about the Ladies of Legends. Because you know what? We could not do this episode without some female assistance. Am I right? Uh, what do you want us to talk about next week? you got a, a, a lady of legends who you want to see on the episode. We can't talk about every single female character in Legends. So if you have a favorite, let us know in the Uchini Legends Look Back Discord. And we'll, or, or, or tag me or Freddie on Twitter and we'll make sure we get her in the show notes. Um, could not be more excited for that episode. Let us know and we'll make sure that we cover your favorite female character. In the meantime, that does it for this week. Thanks for joining us on Legends Look Back. Uh, we are live every Thursday night on Utini on twitch.tv slash Utini underscore US. I'm going to get that right one of these days. Um, if uh, we, we do, of course, want to say thank you to our patrons who have helped us get to this point. Thank you for supporting us along the way. Um, thank you to those of you who have been with us here live in the chat. This is so much more fun to do this with you by our side. If you are with us on twitch you and you have an amazon prime subscription you have one they just re they just rebranded it's got a new name you have one free prime gaming subscription a month and we would be honored if you threw those credits our way if you've got feedback for us and want your question read on the show you can email us at legendslookback at utini.com or join the legends look back discord channel or of course you can find us on twitter i'm on twitter at jared q mays freddy at spready freddy oh, no that's not it that's not <laughs> Oh, it's gonna die. It's never being mentioned again. In uh, wake up, Freddy. <laughs> wake up, Freddy. And Jake is at Jake Ruddle. And uh, of course, if you're looking to buy some of these books and want to help support the show, you can look up a book on Utini. Click the Amazon link in the profile, or hey, you can click the eBay link or the the Thrift Books link because we're Legends fans and we get those used books. You know what I mean? You can click the link in the profile, uh, and we get a few cents to help keep the lights on. Another way, of course, to help us out and show your love of Utini is by grabbing some swag from Teespring. Need I remind you of our incredible Thrawn-inspired merch or, of course, our Legends Look Back merch. We've got the It Was So Artfully Done Thrawn-inspired tank or the Legends Look Back tee, modeled by our number one fan right there. Uh, I also want to say this is your last week to use the code THRAWN15 for a 15% discount. And uh, you got to save those credits. You know what I mean? Thank you, Freddie and Jake, for podcasting with me. Uh, and, of course, you. if you've read any of these books, head over to utini.com, leave us a review, let us know what you think, and remember, everybody, it's been a rough year for us all, so please keep the Utini fan code and be a force for positivity in the fandom. Um, and, everybody, take it easy. Have a good night. This is a Utini Broadcast.